This morning, we continue in our Lenten sermon series on the biblical theme of of exile. As Christians, we find ourselves not just in a cultural, but also a spiritual exile from our true home. And yet our God comes to us and still calls us to live in ways that reflect his kingdom. Today, we're looking at the story of Zacchaeus and how our God invites each of us to return to him. We read this morning in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. You probably all know this story. You might even remember the nursery rhyme, a little song about Zacchaeus. Uh, But we're going to read from the gospel. Uh, uh, Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to the guest of gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Have you ever received an unexpected invitation? In November 2016, uh, y'all might have heard this story. A grandmother accidentally texted a stranger an invitation to her family's Thanksgiving dinner. Instead of texting her grandson, who had changed his number and not told her, uh, Wanda Dinch texted 17-year-old Jamal Hinton, who was a student at the local high school. Um, Receiving the message while he was sitting in class, the two quickly figured out the mistake. He was saying, yeah, I'm not your grandson. She said, oh, I'm sorry. You know, what a hilarious misunderstanding. Uh, But then uh, Jamal asked if he could still come anyway, if he could still come to Thanksgiving. (coughs) Uh, Wanda responded, of course you can. That's what grandmas do. They feed everybody. You can come to Thanksgiving. That'd be great. Now, what's amazing about this is they didn't just celebrate one Thanksgiving. They celebrated uh, the holiday ever since. In this past, at least 2021, um, uh, Wanda's husband had died. And it was a very special moment because Jamal came uh, still that Thanksgiving to celebrate with the family in their grief. Once strangers, they'd become family. They tethered, uh, they were tethered to one another by kindness and love and one unexpected invitation. In a strange way, their story mirrors what happens in our scripture today. Because of who he was and what he had done, Zacchaeus never expected Jesus to invite him down from the sycamore tree. What was even more surprising was that Jesus then invited himself to stay at Zacchaeus's house. But Jesus does these things, which makes the extravagant grace he extends in this moment stand out in two astonishing ways. And we're going to look at why this invitation is so amazing, and then we're going to look at the effects 
of it. So first, Zacchaeus had done nothing to earn an invitation to spend time with Jesus. In fact, Zacchaeus had explicitly lived in ways contrary to God's ideals of compassion and justice. The word wicked in Hebrew describes those who mistreat others to benefit themselves. Now, most tax collectors at that time didn't just gather the, Rome, uh, the money Rome required of citizens, but they gathered an extra percentage for themselves, an incredibly corrupt but also lucrative practice. So if Rome required five, they would tell everybody in town, well, Rome actually requires seven or eight, and they would just keep the extra. Um, uh, to make things worse, tax collectors were often chosen from the community or they volunteered uh, in the community in which they had grown up in, which meant that they weren't swindling strangers, but often friends and family. People used to know who the tax collector was when they were just a regular person in town. As you might expect, tax collectors making themselves rich at the expense of their neighbors sparked some deep resentment. Zacchaeus, however, was even worse. N.T. Wright says it like this, as the chief tax collector, okay, see, he was in a group that people did not like, he was the worst of that group. As the chief tax collector, he not only made money from his salary and extracting extra on the side, but also from tax collectors working under him. Whenever money talks, it shouts louder than the claims of honesty and respect or human dignity. One can only imagine the reaction of neighbors and friends and relatives as Zacchaeus' house became more lavishly decorated, as more slaves ran about at his bidding, as his clothes became finer and his food richer. Everyone knew this was their money and that he had no right to it, just as everybody knew that there was nothing they could do about it. The people get frustrated when Jesus interacts with Zacchaeus, for good reason. The law of God would define him not just as a sinner, but as a wicked man. But Jesus extends the invitation anyway. Throughout scripture, mercy is defined as not receiving what you deserve, while grace is receiving what you do not deserve. And Jesus shows him both here. He not only refuses to condemn Zacchaeus, for his lifestyle, but invites Zacchaeus into his presence, trading the punishment that he deserves for a new life he does not deserve. The power of grace found in this short exchange should amaze us, uh, but also give us hope. Because Jesus extends this invitation to every sinner, no matter their history or past. No matter what we have done, no matter what we might not have done or failed to do, Jesus invites us to experience both the forgiveness of our sins and the abundant life of God's kingdom. Zacchaeus had done nothing to earn God's grace, but Jesus invites him to experience it anyway, and he does the same with us. Second, Zacchaeus wasn't looking for salvation, but salvation found him. Zacchaeus, if you notice in this scripture, never expresses an explicit desire 
to meet or interact with Jesus, much less surrender his life to the celebrity rabbi walking through town. It appears that Zacchaeus wanted simply to see Jesus, as we might want to see a movie star having lunch downtown or, you know, someone special, someone important that we wouldn't normally see. Comfortable with his life choices, Zacchaeus had no interest in seeking salvation. He was climbing the sycamore tree for a better look, and that is it. But as Jesus explains to the crowd, he came to seek and save the lost, even when they don't recognize how lost they are. Jesus had come to find men and women exactly like Zacchaeus, people covered by so much darkness they had forgotten there was such a thing as a light. When Jesus sees Zacchaeus, he walks up and declares to him good news. Jesus is coming to stay with him, not just that night, but for the rest of his life. The details of this reverse invitation, because again, notice, uh, he talks to Zacchaeus. He says, uh, Zacchaeus, I invite you to come down because I'm coming to your house tonight. But the details of this reverse invitation points to the restoration of God's relationship with his people. The entire scene echoes a conversation that we see way back in Genesis, the conversation that God has with Adam and Eve in the garden after the first sin. There are distinct parallels. Adam and Eve hid in the bushes to avoid the Lord. Zacchaeus finds himself up in a tree wanting to get a glimpse of the rumored Messiah from a distance. In both moments, God is walking by as humanity stands apart. Embodying the distance sin creates between God and his children. But unlike then, unlike in the garden, when God asks Adam and Eve to reveal themselves, Jesus moves to the exact location of Zacchaeus for a purpose. He comes to earth to find his lost children so they might be joined to him forever. He came to Jericho to remake Zacchaeus, to teach him what it means to live, to reside in his heart and renew his soul. Despite his position in the tree, Jesus initiates contact, noticing, uh, 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 despite his position in the tree, Jesus initiates contact, noticing Zacchaeus first, calling out to him uh, by name. Sorry about that. This rabbi, whom Zacchaeus had never met, knew his name. He knew the kind of person Zacchaeus was and what he had done, how he'd not just wandered away from God, but ignored him every moment of his life. In church, he knows our name too. But Jesus came to rescue people like Zacchaeus, like us. The conversation here points to the union God establishes with his people in Jesus through the Holy Spirit. The words declare an entirely new state of being for believers where God unites his life to theirs and their life to his. In the Greek, welcomed him doesn't only mean Zacchaeus greeted Jesus, but opened his heart, admitted Jesus inside, not just his home for the night, but his life. Our God comes to seek and save the lost so we might be united to his presence, that we might be joined to him forever. And this union changes everything for us. The immediate response of Zacchaeus reveals how 
the presence of Jesus transforms his children in four distinct ways. First, Zacchaeus experiences overwhelming joy. Overwhelming joy. When Jesus invites him to come down from the tree, Luke tells us that Zacchaeus gladly climbs down to be closer to his Lord and Savior. Now again, this should surprise us. It should uh, be remarkable to us because how long had Zacchaeus known Jesus? It wasn't long. It was just one moment, one interaction, and Zacchaeus' heart is changed. After talking with Jesus for just a moment, his character and outlook have been forever altered. His life has been rearranged. Rather than feel frustrated or afraid of judgment, Zacchaeus feels only joy when he meets Jesus. He experiences the elation every soul feels when they recognize the Lord of creation not only knows them, but loves them will save them and make them new. He recognizes that he has been delivered for a purpose. Once found, Jesus transforms sinners into saints ready to live for his kingdom both here and into eternity. Now that he has met Jesus, his indifference drops away. His selfishness withers on the vine. Known and saved by God, Zacchaeus no longer served the Roman Empire as tax collector, but Jesus as his disciple. Charles Spurgeon describes the joy of salvation like this. The gladness and rhapsody that begins once the human heart knows salvation is the nearest thing to paradise that earth Ever saw. On the day that our sins are pardoned, God sets all the bells of heaven ringing, and our heart chimes in melody. On the day when God is pleased to blot out our sins, He hangs every lane and every alley of our soul with splendid flags and colors and gilded lamps and bright jewels. He bids sweet music play in every part of the city, and He makes fountains run with wine. In Jesus, we who were lost have been found. We who have wandered far from God are brought home. God has done great things for his people. And he continues to do great things for us still, even today, even this morning. Our God does great things. He's doing great things right now. If we recognize the grace our God extends through Jesus on the cross, our joy will never be far from us. Our Lord has declared that we belong to him, that we are his children whom, we, whom he will never abandon. Even if the worst tragedy should fall on us, we remain his. In Jesus, we step into a brand new way of life to become real people, the kind of people that God has always had in mind. He promises we will be transformed into new creations that reflect the bright, eternal things of his kingdom and a dark world. Knowing that we are his changes how we approach this world. It changes how we approach other people. Yes, the brokenness of this world might overwhelm us sometimes, maybe even most of the time. 
But our God has come to restore and make all things new. As believers, we know how the story ends. We know how our story ends. Eugene Peterson describes uh, our approach to life like this. The word Christian means different things to different people. To one person, it means a stiff, upright, inflexible way of life, colorless and unbending. But if we get our information about what life with Christ looks like from the biblical material, there is no doubt that the Christian life is a dancing, leaping, daring life of joy. Second, the invitation Jesus extends to his children establishes a new baseline of obedience. After Jesus invites Zacchaeus to come down from the tree, Zacchaeus responds with immediate obedience, making haste to come down close to his Savior. His new desire to follow the commands of Jesus should strike a stark contrast with his former life as a tax collector, where he had ignored the commands of God to benefit himself at the expense of others. Letting Jesus into our hearts rearranges how we approach life, aligning our souls with the heart of God. Pastor A.W. Tozer describes the obedience believers experience as a good surrender. And faith, he writes this, he says, faith, as Paul saw it, was a living, flaming thing that leads to surrender and obedience to the commandments of Christ. When we are joined to Jesus, we have been, uh, we haven't just been freed to obey. We find that we have a desire to obey as well, because our Lord asks, and we are his children. Third, Zacchaeus willingly repents and desires to make right the wrongs he'd done to others. According to the law, repentance is not just confessing what we've done wrong, but fixing what we've broken. For Zacchaeus, that meant repaying what he'd unjustly taken from others. First, he volunteers to give half of his current possessions to the poor, and then he declares he will repay everyone fourfold uh, what he'd originally taken, much more than the law requires. Echoing the grace he received, this extravagant measure of repentance doesn't just show his heart has changed, but that he's becoming already, again, just in the moments after meeting Jesus, more like his Lord. Zacchaeus throws himself into making amends and from that moment on models the grace he'd found in his Lord. Following Jesus means taking steps away from the broken ways of this world toward the redemptive and renewing patterns of God's kingdom. Just like Zacchaeus did this in his life, we are called to do it too. And that leads us to our final Point, the final way that our union with Jesus changes life. See, Zacchaeus lives into the union he has with God by living out his new life right where he was. Having been touched by Jesus, Zacchaeus resolves to begin building the kingdom of God in his hometown by showing all the people he has hurt how the love of Jesus has changed him and how the love of Jesus might change them too. 
Remember, this occurs in the city of Jericho, an ancient city specifically known for having impenetrable walls. Long ago, Joshua and the Israelites marched around the city for seven days so the people of God might establish themselves in the promised land. But now, Jesus walks freely through seeking to tear down every barrier that separates his children from the promises of their father. At the mere presence of Jesus, the walls Zacchaeus had built around his heart melted, leaving him conquered by love. In response, Zacchaeus doesn't flee in shame, but embody the love he'd received in the presence of his neighbors. What's interesting here is that there are other tax collectors in the Gospels who receive the grace uh, that Jesus gives, and they immediately become disciples, right? They say, we're going to follow you wherever you go. But Zacchaeus stays. He stays in Jericho and builds an outpost of the kingdom. He saw, uh, Jesus comes to, uh, to seek and save the lost. He sought Zacchaeus, and he will seek you too. He died so all people might know the saving grace and love of God, that their lives might be united to his today. The movement of the Spirit within the hearts of believers equally frees and transforms us to model the love we receive to a world still lost in darkness, still holding back, still only curious about the Lord who walks and moves among his people. Like Zacchaeus, our God invites each of us He invites each of us down from where we have been sitting to participate in the restoration of the world. And he invites all of us. It doesn't matter where you are in life. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you have planned. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your position. Our God invites each of us to participate in the redemption of this world. Having accepted the invitation of our Savior, we are called to be the ones inviting others into the joy and freedom of God's love. We are called to come near to the Lord so he might stay with us and live in ways that reflect his kingdom forever. That is the invitation that God extends to all of us. He invites us not only to be saved, but to invite others to know the love and grace and joy of knowing Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen.